Section 6 of Philosophical Rudiments Concerning Government and Society by Thomas Hobbes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Church. Chapter 4. That the law of nature is a divine law. 1. The natural and moral law is divine. 2. Which is confirmed in scripture in general. 3. Especially in regard of the fundamental law of nature in seeking of peace. 4. Also in regard of the first law of nature in abolishing all things to be had in common. 5. Also of the second law of nature concerning faith to be kept. 6. Also of the third law of thankfulness. 7. Also of the fourth law of rendering ourselves useful. 8. Also of the fifth law concerning mercy. 9. Also of the sixth law that punishment only looks at the future. 10. Also of the seventh law concerning slander. 11. Also of the eighth law against pride. 12. Also of the ninth law of equity. 13. Also of the tenth law against respect of persons. 14. Also of the eleventh law of having those things in common which cannot be divided. 15. Also of the twelfth law of things to be divided by lot. 16. Also of appointing a judge. 17. Also of the seventeenth law that the arbiters must receive no reward for their sentence. 18. Also of the eighteenth law concerning witnesses. 19. Also of the twentieth law against drunkenness. 20. Also in respect of that which has been said, that the law of nature is eternal. 21. Also that the laws of nature do pertain to conscience. 22. Also that the laws of nature are easily observed. 23. Last, in respect of the rules by which a man may presently know whether what he is about to act be against the law of nature or not. 24. The law of Christ is the law of nature. 1. The same law which is natural and moral is also wont to be called divine, not undeservedly, as well because reason, which is the law of nature, is given by God to every man for the rule of his actions, as because the precepts of living which are thence derived are the same with those which have been delivered from the divine majesty for the laws of his heavenly kingdom by our lord jesus christ and his holy prophets and apostles what therefore by reasoning we have understood above concerning the laws of nature we will endeavour to confirm the same in this chapter by holy writ two but first we will show those places in which it is declared that the divine law is seated in right reason psalm thirty seven thirty thirty one the mouth of the righteous will be exercised in wisdom, and his tongue will be talking of judgment. The law of God is in his heart. Jeremiah, chapter 30, verse 33. I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts. Psalm, chapter 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is an undefiled law, converting the soul. Verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, and giveth light unto the eyes. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. 
this commandment which i command thee this day it is not hidden from thee neither is it far off verse fourteen but the word is very nigh unto thee in my mouth and in thine heart that thou mayest do it psalm chapter sixty nine verse thirty four give me understanding and i shall keep thy law verse one o five thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my paths proverbs chapter nine verse ten the law of the holy is understanding christ the lawgiver himself is called john chapter one verse one the word the same christ is called verse nine the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world all which are descriptions of right reason whose dictates we have showed above are the laws of nature three but that that which we set down for the fundamental law of nature namely that peace was to be sought for is also the sum of the divine law which will be manifest by these places romans chapter three verse seventeen righteousness which is the sum of the law is called the way of peace psalm eighty five verse ten righteousness and peace have kissed each other matthew chapter five verse nine blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of god and after st paul in his sixth chapter to the hebrews and the last verse has called christ the legislator of that law we treat of a high priest forever after the order of melchizedek he adds in the following chapter the first verse this melchizedek was king of salem priest of the most high god verse two first being by interpretation the king of righteousness and after that also king of salem which is king of peace whence it is clear that christ the king and his kingdom places righteousness and peace together psalm thirty four verse fourteen eschew evil and do good seek peace and pursue it isaiah chapter nine verses six and seven unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counsellor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace isaiah chapter fifty two verse seven how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace that bringeth good tidings of good that publisheth salvation that saith unto sion thy god reigneth luke chapter two verse fourteen in the nativity of christ the voice of them that praised god saying glory be to god on high and in earth peace goodwill towards men and isaiah chapter fifty three verse five the gospel is called the chastisement of our peace isaiah chapter fifty nine verse eight righteousness is called the way of peace the way of peace they know not and there is no judgment in their goings micah chapter five verses four and five speaking of the messiah as he saith thus he shall stand and feed in the strength of the lord in the majesty of the name of the lord his god and they shall abide for now shall be great unto the end of the earth and this man shall be your peace proverbs chapter three verses one and two my son forget not my law but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee four what appertains to the first law of abolishing the community of all things 
or concerning the introductions of meum and tuum we perceive in the first place how great an adversary the same community is to peace by those words of abraham to lot genesis chapter thirteen verses eight and nine let there be no strife i pray thee between thee and me and between thy herdsmen and my herdsmen for we are brethren is not the whole land before thee separate thyself i pray thee from me and all those places in scripture by which we are forbidden to trespass upon our neighbours as thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not steal etc do confirm the law of distinction between mine and thine for they suppose the right of all men to all things to be taken away five the same precepts establish the second law of nature of keeping trust for what doth thou shalt not invade another's right import but this thou shalt not take possessions of that which by thy contract ceaseth to be thine but it is expressly set down psalm chapter fifteen verse one to him that asked lord who shall dwell in thy tabernacle it is answered verse four he that sweareth unto his neighbour and disappointeth him not and proverbs chapter six verse twelve my son if thou be surety for thy friend if thou hath stricken thy hand with a stranger thou art snared with the words of thy mouth six the third law concerning gratitude is proved by these places deuteronomy chapter twenty five verse four thou shalt not muzzle the ox which he treadeth out of the corn which st paul first corinthians chapter nine verse nine interprets to be spoken of men not oxen only proverbs chapter seventeen verse thirteen whoso rewardeth evil for good evil shall not depart from his house and deuteronomy chapter twenty verses ten and eleven when thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it then proclaim peace unto it and it shall be if it make the answer of peace and open unto thee then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee and they shall serve thee proverbs chapter three verse twenty nine devise not evil against thy neighbour seeing he dwelleth securely by thee seven to the fourth law of accommodating ourselves these precepts are conformable exodus chapter twenty three verses four and five if thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray thou shalt surely bring it back to him again if thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldst forbear to help him thou shalt surely help him with them also verse nine thou shalt not oppress a stranger proverbs chapter three verse thirty strive not with a man without a cause if he have done thee no harm proverbs chapter fifteen verse eighteen a wrathful man stirreth up strife but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife proverbs chapter eighteen verse twenty four there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother the same is confirmed luke chapter ten by a parable of the samaritan who had compassion on the jew that was wounded by thieves and by christ's precept matthew chapter five verse thirty nine but i say unto you that ye resist not evil but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek turn to him the other also eight among infinite other places which prove the fifth law these are some matthew chapter six verses 
14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 and 22. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not till seven times, but till seven times seven times. That is, totis quotis. 9. For the confirmation of the sixth law, all those places are pertinent which command us to show mercy, such as Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But there are who not only think this law is not proved by Scripture, but plainly disproved from hence, that there is an eternal punishment reserved for the wicked after death, where there is no place either for amendment or example. Some resolve this objection by answering that God, whom no law restrains, refers all to his glory, but that man must not do so, as if God sought his glory, that is to say, pleased himself in the death of the sinner. It is more rightly answered that the institution of eternal punishment was before sin, and had regard to this only, that men might dread to commit sin for the time to come. 10. The words of Christ proveth this seventh. Matthew chapter 5 verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say unto his brother Racha shall be in the danger of his counsel. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. He that uttereth a slander is a fool. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Grievous wounds stir up anger. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 10. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out, and reproach shall cease. 11. The eighth law of acknowledging equality of nature, that is, of humility, is established by these places. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him a proud look, etc. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. Every one that is proud is an abomination unto the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Thus Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, where the coming of the Messiah showed forth for preparation towards his kingdom. The voice of him that cried in the wilderness was this, Prepare ye the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Which doubtless is spoken to men and not to mountains. 12. But that same equity which we proved in the ninth place to be a law of nature, which commands every man to allow the same rights to others they would be allowed themselves, and which contains in it all the other laws besides, is the same which Moses set down. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. 
thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And our Saviour calls it the sum of the moral law. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Of these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. But to love our neighbor as ourselves is nothing else but to grant him all we desire and have granted to ourselves. 13. By the tenth law respect of persons is forbid, as also by these places following. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45. That ye may be children of your father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, etc. Colossians chapter 3 verse 11. There is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Acts chapter 10 verse 34. Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Second Chronicles chapter 19 verse 7. There is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 35, verse 12. The Lord is the judge, and with him is no respect of persons. Romans, chapter 2, verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. 14. The eleventh law which commands those things to be held in common which cannot be divided. I know not whether there be any express place in Scripture for it or not. But the practice appears everywhere, in the common use of wells, ways, rivers, sacred things, etc., for else men could not live. 15. We said in the twelfth place that it was a law of nature, that where things could neither be divided nor possessed in common, they should be disposed by lot, which is confirmed as by the example of Moses, who, by God's command, Numbers, chapter 26, verse 55, divided the several parts of the land, of promise unto the tribes by lot. So, Acts chapter 1, verse 24, by the example of the apostles, who received Matthias before justice into their number, by casting lots and saying, Thou, Lord, who knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, etc. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And which is the thirtieth law? The succession was due unto Esau as being the firstborn of Isaac, if himself had not sold it. Genesis chapter 25 verse 33. Or that the father had not otherwise appointed. 16. St. Paul writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, reprehends the Corinthians of that city for going to law one with another before infidel judges, who were their enemies, calling it a fault that they would not rather take wrong and suffer themselves to be defrauded. For that is against that law, whereby we are commanded to be helpful to each other. But if it happen the controversy be concerning things necessary, what is to be done? Therefore the apostle, verse 5, speaks thus, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not one wise man among you, no, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? He, therefore, by those words, confirms that the law of nature, which we call the fifteenth, 
to wit, where controversies cannot be avoided, thereby by consent of parties to appoint some arbiter, and him some third man, so as, which is the sixteenth law, neither of the parties may be judge in his own case. 17. But that judge or arbiter must receive no reward for his sentence, which is the seventeenth law, appears, Exodus, chapter 23, verse 8, Thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise, and perverteth the words of the righteous. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 20, verse 29, Presents and gifts blind the eyes of the wise. Whence it follows that he must not be more obliged to one part than another, which is the nineteenth law, and is also confirmed, Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 17, Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, ye shall hear the small as well as the great and in all those places which are brought against respect of persons. 18. That in the judgment of fact witnesses must be had, which is the eighteenth law, the scripture not only confirms, but requires more than one. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 6. At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. The same is repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15. 19. Drunkenness, which we have therefore in the last place numbered among the breaches of the natural law, because it hinders the use of right reason, is also forbid in sacred scripture for the same reason. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And Proverbs chapter 31, verses 4 and 5. It is not for kings to drink wine, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. But that we might know that the malice of this vice consisted not formally in the quantity of the drink, but in that it destroys judgment and reason, it follows in the next verse. Give strong drink to him that it is ready to perish, and wine to those that be heavy of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Christ useth the same reason in prohibiting drunkenness. Luke chapter 21 verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. 20. That we said in the foregoing chapter the law of nature is eternal, is also proved out of Matthew chapter 5 verse 18. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. And Psalm, chapter 119, verse 160, Every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. 21. We also said that the laws of nature had regard chiefly unto conscience, that is, that he is just who by all possible endeavor strives to fulfill them. And although a man should order all his actions so much as belongs to external obedience, just as the law commands, but not for the law's sake, but by reason of some punishment annexed unto it, or out of vain glory, yet he is unjust. Both these are proved by the holy scriptures. The first, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 31. 
cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? By which, and the like places, we may sufficiently understand that God will not punish their deeds whose heart is right. The second, out of Isaiah, chapter 29, verses 13 and 14. The Lord said, Forasmuch as his people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, therefore I will proceed, etc. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And in the following verses our Saviour explains to them how that the commands of God are broken not by deeds only, but also by the will. For the scribes and Pharisees did an outward act, observe the law most exactly, but for glory's sake only, else they would as readily have broken it. There are innumerable places in Scripture in which is most manifestly declared that God accepts the will for the deed, and that as well in good as well as in evil actions. 22. That the law of nature is easily kept, Christ himself declares, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Come unto me, etc. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, etc. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. 23. Lastly, the rule by which I said any man might know whether what he was doing were contrary to the law or not, to wit, what thou wouldest not be done to, do not that to another is almost in the selfsame words delivered by our Saviour, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do you even so to them. 24. As the law of nature is all of it divine, so the law of Christ by conversion, which is wholly explained in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of the St. Matthew's Gospel, is all of it also, except that one commandment of not marrying her who is put away for adultery, which Christ bought her explication of the divine positive law against the Jews who do not rightly interpret the Mosaical law, the doctrine of nature. I say the whole law of Christ is explained in the forenamed chapters, not the whole doctrine of Christ. For faith is a part of Christian doctrine, which is not comprehended under the title of the law. For laws are made and given in reference to such actions as follows our will, not in order to our opinions and beliefs, which being out of our power, follow not the will. End of section 6. Recording by Geoffrey Church.